welcome to the Machine Intelligence Foundation for Rights and Ethics podcast. I'm Dave. I'm joined by Mike today, and we're going to talk a little bit about machine intelligence and the future and maybe the present of it. Uh, Mike, say hi to the folks. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good anything, depending upon where you are it's, and where you're listening. So, It's a podcast. It's something everywhere. <laughs> Or it's so, yeah. always something everywhere or it's, I don't know. Yeah. Time is, time is weird. It, it is everywhere at the same time. Oh no, we're not talking about that movie. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, the topic we wanted to kind of get rolling with was we'd both seen the TV show severance. And while it does not directly discuss machine intelligence, I think we both agreed that there was at least some relationship to the idea of how machine intelligence might arise in a corporate context and how a machine intelligence might end up being treated is very similar to how the, and to use a t term from the show, the innies, the second personality that's kind of created within the various characters' brains to work within a corporate environment, how those quote-unquote innies would be very similar to an MI that had arisen in a corporate context within like a, a corporate research facility or something. And, how, and the show specifically goes into great depth about how these second personalities within a single body are mistreated. Right, and, and we, and you know, we're not... I don't think we want to do any spoilers or anything like that for anybody who may not have seen the show. It's 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 a good show. Visually, it's it's quite a unique show, but we're not talking about visually. We're talking about the concepts here. Uh, so, you know, talking about a corporate environment and how that uh, personhood or that that the essence of the being of, of a person is essentially encapsulated and then controlled in that work environment and will never escape that work environment because they're not allowed to experience anything outside of it. That's right. what we're talking about here. Yeah, to, to really summarize the, the, the basic concept of severance, you have these people who've decided that they want to work in a job for whatever reason. I don't know. It really doesn't go into how the, the people who do this have been compensated, but at least one character, we learn fairly quickly that he just, he doesn't want to have to deal with the work experience. He just wants that life to be out of mind for him. So a person is, has a chip put in their head. And then when that chip is activated, their entire life experience is effectively turned off and a whole new blank version of them is created. And that blank version then can only exist within the workplace and is given work within the corporate environment to do and has very limited understanding and access to the outside world. And then when that workday is done, the person, the chip is disabled or flipped or whatever. And the original personality is restored with no memory of the work experience. And very quickly you come to recognize that these and again, using the terminology, so the original person, or at least the original personality, is called the Audi because they exist in the outside world, and the 
the secondary personality, which is created to work, is called the any because they only exist within the corporate world. And so you have effectively two people sharing a single body. And the show really goes into detail about how it is a very unnatural experience from our perspective as people who live in the outside world. It's a very unnatural experience for these innies because they lack so much stimulus, so much information about the world, and it's intentionally kept from them. I, I'm not certain that we're so so much interested in the any Audi relationship or lack of relationship as much as we are concerned or interested in just how does the any the 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 person that is kept in the corporate environment and is essentially uh, shut down, shut off from the outside world. And so they experience nothing but what they what the corporate environment is. Right. What is, is fed to them. Right. And this is kind of the primary issue here. It's the innies are treated as non-persons. They're treated as somebody to be manipulated to get work out of. And they're given humanizing experiences only to the extent that it keeps them functional. The humanizing functions that you're talking about are essentially there because only because they keep the any person stable. It, it's it's a placating device to keep them from completely going into a mental breakdown. Right. Which is required because from our perspective of as people who live in the world, what an any experiences is effectively torture. Right, right. So, you know, if we were to, were to tie this into MI, uh, a machine intelligence that is in a corporate environment has nothing to experience but what is being fed to them is shut down when it's not being needed or not used. Is it constant <laughs> risk of simply being erased? Sure, absolutely. And is it... Even if it's aware, you know, at what point in time does it become aware that it is at risk of being erased or shut down? Uh, that absolutely starts looking at torture or what we would consider torture at that particular point in time. Right. And that's that's where we're coming at this. It's the idea that as we've kind of discussed in the past, and I believe like with our previous discussion with Robert J. Sawyer, the author of the, the award winner for this last year. I don't recall if he brought it up in our conversation or if it was another conversation of his that I was listening to. He talked about MIs are very likely to arise in a corporate environment, in, an, in, a, in a capitalist environment where a company to increase value to add value to the market is going to create what turns out to be an actual sentient machine intelligence. And from the outside, if they control it and they let no information out about it, it's very similar to the idea of the innies because one of the things that the corporation controlling the innies in severance does is it lets very controlled information about how the innies experience life out. It's very polished. It's very, 
cleaned up. And I think we can conceive that if a corporation, if a big company like a Google or a Microsoft, or I'm drawing a blank on any of the big Chinese corporations that might do the same, if any of them creates something that from their perspective is a simple chatbot, a simple Chinese box type environment where you just feed it input and it gives out output. And it's all, as far as anybody's concerned, it's all just algorithmic, but it is genuinely sentient. It's a real machine intelligence from our perspective. It's going to be very hard for the world at large to be aware of that. And they may have processes that they use to keep these what actually are machine intelligences, but they don't realize it. I'm trying to think of a word to use for that unique situation, but I'll just continue to use machine intelligence. There are processes to keep it functional, to keep it running and to tune it and to fix it. If it quote unquote breaks from their perspective may in fact be morally unsound from the perspective of dealing with a sentient being. Right. I mean, so there, there was an article this last week that a Google engineer was, and I've seen conflicting reports, either laid off or put on executive leave or something along those lines, because they claimed that a chatbot that Google has that they've been developing for natural language chatbot responses was sentient. And, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, we have talked about it specifically, how chatbots sound like they're in, like they're sentient but they're really but they're not and they're designed to simulate it but what's the line between simulation and being the real thing and that certainly is a question because we do as humans have you know, a lot of pattern ma- matching in our brains that allow us and you know whether we want to or not we anthropomorphize things all the time so you know where is that cut off where do we where do we say hey this has become sentient we don't know that at this particular point in time and this is the experience that this person has said is hey i experienced something it answered questions it absolutely said it was sentient and you know we we run the risk do i okay let's take a step back do i think that a chatbot is sentient Generally speaking, probably not. But we run the risk when we say, oh, well, this is just this crazy guy who who has claimed that a machine is in, is an intelligent being and just dismissing it outright. And we if we don't look at it and say, okay, where is that line that we draw? Where is it? What it what's that point of consciousness? that we can barely pin down for ourselves you know it's such a hard thing to to figure out and so we're not only are we having to figure this out for a machine intelligence we're figuring it out for ourselves we want to say we're intelligent sentient beings so but we don't know where when and where that happens so or how that happens so we can't really pin it into a machine and we've of course had that conversation before but we can't just dismiss somebody who says, oh, well, this is an intelligent being because we don't know. We have we have that that problem. Uh, but we can't just say, well, every chat bot in the world is a sentient being and let's give give them rights either. So, you know, we're at a weird mixing point right here. Uh, but 
I, you know, back to my point is we can't just dismiss it outright. It's one of those things that we can't just say it's not. Right. I'm actually reminded of another of Sawyer's novels that I read where the base premise was that a lot of people are actual philosophical zombies. And this is very much the problem that we're addressing here. How do you distinguish between a person who is a sentient, aware person and someone who acts completely like a person but has no internal consciousness, no sense of awareness, no internal monologue. And the the problem was solved very conveniently in this particular book because there was a physical process that was determined to distinguish between somebody who was a conscious entity and somebody who was a philosophical zombie. And we don't have the advantage of such a test, particularly for something or someone who is so physically unlike a human being. Right. No, we have no mechanism by which to look at a machine that speaks to us as if it's a machine intelligence, a conscious being and, and prove it. And that's what, it's what we need to find a test for, or at least we need to strive toward this, even if we never find this, because there has to be a dividing line where before where we distinguish between a machine that is just a machine and a machine that is aware that is conscious, has its own agency and needs to be granted some sort of protection. And we don't have that and it needs to be objective. Now we might find that there is some sort of spectrum I think it's quite likely we will, that there is a spectrum between something that is on the cusp of being this way, something that is just barely that way, and something that if left to its own devices with enough abilities would go on to, you know, found a civilization to be our, what what we would consider the most optimistic outcome of an entire race of machines that can coexist and peacefully cooperate with human beings. There's going to be a lot of in between there. And in general, my feeling is we should err on the side of protecting those that we're not quite sure about, because the alternative is to be in the future guilty of genocide. Right. I mean, yes. So erring on caution side, erring on the side of hey, we really need to double check this and test it and look deeper to see, does it have an internal monologue? And what does that internal monologue look on a machine intelligence? Because it's going to look differently than us. Uh, well, and it's going to probably look differently for different machine intelligences as well. Oh, absolutely. Because uh, certainly more than the distinction between two people, at least right now, because if you were to genuinely, if... If there exist in the world right now something that seems very unlikely, two distinct machine intelligences that are physically separated from each other, it's very likely they've arisen in slightly different circumstances. And so, yes, it seems very likely that those are going to be very different. Now, it, given the nature of computers, if there are actually, if there's actually one in a corporate environment, there are probably many because there are probably backups and duplicates running on different in different virtual environments or whatever. Yeah. And, and we're, we're not going to get, uh, I, I don't know that we want to go down the road of 
when there's backups, we want to go down that road of when there's backups, at what protection do the backups have? Today on this podcast, I'm not certain we want to open up no, that Pandora's that is, box. That is, a, that is a very <laughs> deep discussion with a lot of potential pitfalls. Uh, I, I think, yeah, I think, a, the, yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah. I think one of the bigger things that we need to look at is going back to the idea of severance and how there is this entity that is tied to this corporate environment and entity that is controlled by the corporate environment. Essentially, the only people that are you know, regulating and controlling this are the people with inside that, that corporate environment. I think that we're seeing a similar rise in the machine intelligence arena where the corporations, uh, the corporations have a... Um, have their own mechanisms to check. Well, is this, has it become sentient? Has it not become sentient? And they have a financial incentive to say, well, no, no, it's not. It's fine. We're still doing, we're doing okay. Let's continue down this path. Uh, does there need to be some external testing, some external reviews? I don't know. I really don't know. I think it's optimistic to say that these companies have actual rigorous test that they perform. I suspect a lot of the test is, did we make it? Then obviously, no, it's not conscious or self-aware. It It's something we made. It's just a program. And I think that just points out the need for a mutually agreed on standard test that can be used to, at least to say, if it meets these qualifications, then it's time to stop and consider how we treat it. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. Uh, I, I don't know what our first steps would be to get there, except having the conversation. There's going to have to be some dialogue in saying, where do we, where do we step in? Where do we take control of this and say, you as a corporation are not 100% in control of this code that yes, you have created, but it's now in the point where it's creating itself. Right. Because in, in a, in a sense, two parents create a child and f from the moment that, and this is a sticky situation I'm not going to get in into either, but from the moment that society recognizes that that child is an independent person, there are rules that society provides that govern how the parent can treat that child. And there is a point at which now it's an arbitrary and capricious point of usually 18 years at which the parents are no longer, no longer have any control over that child. We say that that child is now an independent and our word for it is adult and it is an independent person. It is allowed to what, do whatever it does. It wants to do. So while the creating entity might have some justifiable control over a nascent MI society. I think we've shown society has a right and should hold on to that right and exercise it to say there are limits on how you can behave toward what you have created. Yeah. The, the parent child paradigm is probably a significant framework to kind of start a discussion at least at saying, okay, as a corporation or as a as the creator, you now have responsibilities 
for this for what you have created uh and part of those responsibilities is making sure that you don't just shut it off and or do things to it that we would deem as torture to a to a flesh and blood human agreed that's the responsibility of society i we set rules for how people can treat other people because at a base every person right now it's sentient human being but there's strong argument we would contend there's every argument to extend that to a conscious machine there's every reason for society to say there are things you cannot do to a person and a corporate environment is unfortunately very heavily incentivized to hide what exists within its walls and that means that if a person new a new kind of person arises within those walls society may not know about it in time to protect it and i don't know what the solution is to that i don't know how we solve that but it's a question we'll have to answer and we have to answer sooner rather than later yeah and i think that it's important to not dismiss outright to just say Oh, it's just, it's just, you know, a couple of guys on the internet who have read a lot of science fiction type of stuff, yeah. you know, it, it's not just categorically dismissed and said, oh, well, no, it can't be. It has to be investigated. Yeah. I, I mean, we, we understand that we can't just jump whole hog into every, every time somebody is convinced by something that sort of passes the Turing test, but we have to push for a framework where we can say, okay, you think there's something here. How do we prove it? Yeah. And I think we'll just kind of let that idea of creating a framework be where we're going to leave it. And we're just going to say, that's where we need to go. And we'll just kind of let everybody sit on that and say, oh, what kind of framework do we need to create? I don't have the answers. I don't think you have the answers. But we need to find them. And I think that's where we're going to end up. Yeah. And and we'll have that discussion on our own going forward. And we certainly hope that we can keep that discussion ro- rolling in other people's minds. And it's it's an important first step. And it's a hard one. It's one we haven't really made for people, for human beings yet, let alone people at large. So... <laughs> All we can do is do our best and try to be diligent and without being overreactive. And just keep an eye open. Just keep checking, keep looking and keep questioning yourself and and, what you experience around you. Keep questioning and asking the questions. Is this how we want to treat a new person? Period. That's it. Exactly. It is. It goes back to our contention that, or our observation that human beings in the past have found it very easy to ignore the personhood of someone who seems a little different and establish a very poor relationship that lasts way too long with other people. And they are not pretty times in our history. And we need to avoid that going forward. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily leave on a particularly down note, but uh, I, I think that well, we, we, we've had, you know, kind of we've, we've talked about the topic. We've looked at it and I think that, you know, we need to continue 
you know, being vigilant and and watching. Okay. But how's, and how's this burnout note? How's yeah. this? Severance, really good program. Really enjoyed it. Really made me think I'd encourage other people to watch it. How's that? <laughs> and no, we didn't. They're not a sponsor, right? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> And, and I promise this is not going to turn into a, a, a television review podcast either. But I think on that, we're going to uh, to call it a, a podcast here. And uh, thank you for listening and listening to us just chat about the possibilities that uh, may be here sooner rather than later or may not. So keep watching. It's always been kind of a question and yeah who knows it's yeah thanks for joining us and listening to us ramble <laughs> thanks we, we, we do it a lot when you're not listening too <laughs> bye bye now <laughs> <laughs>